Great, thank you. Thank you very much, Lena. That was great, and thanks, Chris, for leading us. And uh, thank you for Mel for the worship. Brilliant. Thanks for doing all that. Right, as we've just seen, we're, we're carrying on with Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 34, um, which we just heard from, uh, from Luke. Uh, we're following on from Chris's message last week. So Chris brought a message uh, about the human, healing of the demon-possessed man. And today we're looking at two short stories in, in these verses, which is uh, uh, the healing of Simon's mother-in-law and uh, the healing of quite a few people that followed after that. So we're going to look at those two separate stories uh, today. So let's just pray as we, as we begin. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity to read your word, to study your word, and to hear from your word, Lord. We pray that you would uh, open our hearts to receive whatever you have to teach us today, Lord. May we really listen to your voice and hear your voice today as you speak to us about this passage. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, to set the context of this passage, we're in Capernaum, Capernaum and if you recall in, in Chris's message last week, they were in the synagogue, and that was in Capernaum. Um, and now they've gone from the synagogue to uh, Simon Peter's um, uh, mother, uh, mother's place. I think it's at Simon and Andrew's uh, house. Um, and this is where the whole thing, uh, this whole message, sort of part of the message, is played out. Um, Capernaum was a, a, t- a small town in the sort of Galilee area. And it's one of quite a few towns around the area. So there's Gennesaret, there's Bethsaida, uh, there's uh, Chorazin and Nazareth a bit further over. But they're all sort of in that same area. And Jesus, this is like the, the main area of Jesus' ministry in, in the early years, a uh, year or two of his ministry at the beginning. And uh, so the story unfolds in Simon Andrew's, Simon and Andrew's house in Capernaum. Now, Lena and I actually saw this place we had the privilege of going to Israel, and uh, this is actually, so, so they say, Simon and Andrew's house. It's actually underneath the big church, so you can see the building there. Uh, but it was like an octagonal structure, structure and uh, it was just down from the synagogue. So the synagogue was just up the road, about 100 yards up the road, which we also saw. Um, so it's in the right sort of place, so we, it could be the place, they say it is the place, but... Uh, but it's, it's, it's nice to think that that was where Jesus did all these works. So, you know, just a bit of uh, background for you there. Um, right, so let's go on. Let's, uh, let's look at the passage again. So we see here that Jesus had compassion. He's coming to the home. He's found out that Simon's mother-in-law is sick and he has compassion on her and he wants to see her healed uh, so in those days, people who had fevers, it wasn't just a, a small thing. It was actually quite a large issue because uh, uh, if you had a fever, it was likely to get worse. And in fact, in Luke, it mentions that she had a high fever, which meant very high temperature, uh, very, very sick in, many, in, in other words. And it's possible that she could have died from this if she had a high fever or at least she would have been bedbound for many weeks. So it was quite a serious situation. It wasn't just like, oh, she's got a fever, she's going to recover. It was actually uh, quite, quite uh, a serious illness by the sounds of it. But we see here that Jesus was so kind and gentle to her. We heard that 
just earlier about, um, from Joe about Jesus' touch. And Jesus was so gentle, so caring, so loving. He touched that, uh, that leper, the man who had leprosy, and touched him. And here we see him touching and lifting up um, Simon's mother-in-law. He takes her by the hand, lifts her up carefully, and, uh, and she's completely healed of her sickness. But it's, it's, it's good to know here that it was unorthodox for a man who wasn't a member of the family of, the, of a woman to actually touch that woman. You know, it's quite a, a strange thing to do. So the, the disciples were probably a little bit shocked that he'd actually touched her uh, because it was uh, it quite, in some ways, could have been quite offensive to Jews to, in that situation. But we see here, as we see in many situations, where Jesus just cuts across all the orthodoxy uh, that was in the in the. Uh, you know, sort of in the culture at the time. And he cuts through and he does something which is completely unorthodox and, and touches her and lifts her up by the hand. He sees that's more important than following the strict rules of uh, male-female relationships. And this surprises the disciples. And he, if you remember, uh, one situation where that occurred was with the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, where Jesus, uh, the, the disciples go away to get some food. And when they come back, they see him talking to this lady, this woman at the well. And they, it says they were surprised because this was so unorthodox for a man to talk with a woman who he didn't know, and especially as she was a Samaritan as well. So we see that time and time again with Jesus. He cuts across the standard orthodoxy and, and breaks through and does something uh, for the kingdom, effectively. And this, in this passage, we see um, Jesus lifting up. It says... Uh, he lifts her up. And the, the Greek word for lift up is egeron. And that word is used when uh, Jesus li- uh, lifts the little girl. You know, in that passage where uh, in Mark, uh, I think it's Mark 5. I think I've got it here. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, sorry, not, not Mark 5. So Mark 5, um, he lifts up the little girl from the dead. And the same word is used there to lift her up. And then the same word is also used for Jesus when he's resurrected uh, from the dead. Igiran is used there. So it's, you can see this is God's power making resurrection possible, whether it re- being raised from sickness or raised from the dead. It's, uh, it's God's power coming in. And Jesus is exercising authority through the Holy Spirit to raise uh, this woman up from the, her sickness. And I'd like to note just here that... Jesus has given us similar power and authority in our lives through the impartation of the Holy Spirit uh, to heal the sick and to heal demon-possessed people. So God has has imparted that to us uh, so that we can actually do the works. If you remember, Jesus says, you will do even greater works. You see the works I'm doing, you will do even greater works than these. And this is one of the things which he's talking about. He's talking about healing the sick and raising the dead and uh, touching light people with, with uh, sickness and with um, demon possession. So we need to be ready to sh- exercise that authority in people's lives. When we see people, somebody sick, we need to be ready to pray for them and see them raised up. And note in this passage that the woman is immediately healed. It's, uh, he, you know, he, he, and she begins to serve Jesus and the others which seems to us a bit odd, the fact that she immediately gets up, she starts to serve, she starts to get the tea ready, she starts to do a few sandwiches, 
Um, and for us, it's a bit strange. You know, what, what, you know, why would a woman who's just been healed just go and do, uh, you know, serve their guests? And I think today we probably would have said, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. I'll, I'll go and get the tea. You lie there, you stay there, just recover fully. Uh, don't worry, fully, fully rest and recover. And in some ways we're a bit, we could be a bit offended uh, that those, all those men were sitting around and uh, suddenly a woman who's just been healed jumps up and starts to serve. You think, well, hang on a minute. Why doesn't one of the guys go out and make the tea and do the, do the work? You know? So it's a, it, for us, it's a bit strange and a bit odd that that would happen. But note that none of the people there, none of, neither Jesus nor the disciples, none of them stop her. They don't say, hang on a minute, don't do that. They don't do what we would do. They don't stop her uh, from waiting on them. And why is this? Why do we think this is? Because uh, to, from a woman's perspective, she is, from her, from her perspective, she's totally and utterly healed. She feels completely fine in her body. Um, and she wants to fulfill her duty. You know, as a woman in a home like that, her duty was to serve and to love and to care for her guests. And you can imagine, she, she's been lying there sick and thinking, all these people in my home, I really want to serve them. And suddenly she's able to do so. So she gets up and starts to serve. And I think Jesus and the others understood this point. You know, they understood that she wanted to help. She wanted to serve them. So they leave her to get on with it. So it's like a, a cultural thing to allow the woman of the house to actually do, do the work and to serve them. So that uh, you know, brings a bit of understanding to us because from our perspective, it seems just a little bit odd to do that. And her serving others also um, served another purpose in that it demonstrates to disciples and to us that she was completely and totally healed. She didn't have to rest. She didn't have to stay lying down. She didn't have to take a bit of time to recover. She was up on her feet working and serving straight away. And this just confirms to us that Jesus, when Jesus heals somebody, his healing is complete, it's total, it's full and uh, without any residual sickness remaining in a person's body. And Mark often refers to the responses and actions of the healed people. So you think of the guy who was lying on the mat in, in Luke, uh, I think it's in Luke, I can't remember where it was now, but yeah, he's lying on the mat. Oh, it's, it's Mark 2, that's right. And he's completely healed and completely made well. And, uh, and Jesus says to him, take up your mat and walk. So that act of taking up his mat and walking out was actually a demonstration that Jesus completely healed him. And we never see Jesus leaving anyone in a, in a partial state of healing. You know, he doesn't say, oh, you're okay, just live with what you've got left. Um, it, with the blind man in Bethsaida in Mark 8, it initially says... Uh, I see people and they're walking around like trees. Do you remember that passage where uh, he sort of gets partial healing back and you can see people moving around and, 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 uh, and then Jesus lays his hands on him again and prays for him again and the guy's completely healed. And uh, I think that's, that's good for us because we should always expect complete healing. When we pray for somebody, we should always expect that Jesus is going to completely heal them and take away their sickness totally. They won't be half partially healed. You know, we, we can ask them for a percentage score. You know, sometimes we've done this, haven't we? When we've been praying for people, 
are you 20% healed, 30% healed? What do you, but, you know, whatever it is, we need to pray that God would actually completely heal them and, and uh, uh, restore them in Jesus' name. Okay, let's move on to the second part of the, uh, of the message, so, uh, sort of the passage. So let's read from 32, uh, verse 32. It says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So following the healing of uh, Simon's mother-in-law, uh, we see all these people coming to, to be healed uh, because the people, the word had gone around, hadn't it, to all the people in the area. And uh, in verse 28, we, we, re- we heard from Chris last week that news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So people really were finding out that Jesus was in the area, he was healing people, people were getting touched by the love of God. But it's, it's worth noting here that they waited until the evening. It says um, that evening after sunset, because that was the end of the Sabbath. Remember last week in the synagogue, it was a Sabbath day, and they were, uh, they were, Jesus was speaking in, in the Sabbath, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Um, so the people waited until the Sabbath was completely over, which is about after six o'clock in the evening until sundown. And uh, they were then able to bring to Jesus all the sick people that were there in the town. And Jesus doesn't turn away any of the, any of the sick people. He willingly reaches out and touches them all uh, with his love. And uh, you can imagine all the family members are, are really hopeful, you know, that God is going to touch their, their, um, their friends and their relatives. Uh, and there must have been a level of desperation in people who are wanting to see a touch from Jesus. And again, it, we, what we would consider minor illnesses today could, could become quite serious sicknesses and would often be deadly because at the time there was very few healing remedies around, very few ways that people could actually get better. Um, but not a great deal could be done for people who are really sick. So you, you, can, you can imagine they were quite desperate, you know, when, when they heard about Jesus, they said, right, let's, let's go and see him, let's go and take our family to them. So there would have been maybe, maybe people who had been sick for years, sometimes people that have been sick for decades, lying at home, you know, uh, people that couldn't work, wives that couldn't uh, serve their families like uh, Simon's mother-in-law, children that couldn't actually play with their friends because they were sick. So this was, uh, this was life-changing for the village. You can imagine it was life-changing that they suddenly uh, had their sick people being healed and there would have been great rejoicing across the whole of that area which, is, which is, would have been an amazing time, absolutely fantastic. And then we also see that Jesus commands the evil and unclean spirits to come out of people. Many were delivered. And again, this is a demonstration of the authority that Chris was talking about last week. You know, Chris mentioned about the man who was demon-possessed being completely delivered from his uh, possession. And this again is confirming that Jesus had authority over demons. Uh, to cast them out and to see them completely, um, uh, completely removed from each person. And again, I would just comment that this this power and authority has been passed to us as 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 disciples of Jesus. He's 
he's commanded us to go and, and heal the sick and uh, cast out demons. And we see that in Mark, the way it's passed down to us effectively is through... In Mark 6, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples uh, where it says he called, them, called the 12 to him and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. And uh, then he said, then they went out and preached that, that the people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So he's passed that. You know, we see Jesus in this passage, um, in the passage we're looking at, he's exercising authority. He then passed the authority over to the disciples. They acted. And then a bit later on in Luke 10, we see Jesus sending out the 72. And it says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then through Acts chapter 2, um, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out on all people. Uh, and, uh, and then th- that is passed down over the ages to us. So God still is filling people with the Holy Spirit today, following Acts 2, uh, for us to be able to move out in the same way that these disciples went out and uh, saw people being delivered and people being healed of sickness. So let's not hold back. Let's be prepared to use that power and authority that God has given us to see people touched by the love of God and and healed. So let's move on then to... I just want to finally look at uh, at Capernaum Capernaum and what happened. Because we see all these wonderful healings taking place we see demons being delivered out of people. We see God blessing. We see much rejoicing in Capernaum. And there was, we, see, we see that in other towns like Chorazin and Bethsaida. We see God moving powerfully in each of those towns. But then, strangely, we read in Matthew 11, verse 20. This is a very odd thing. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, where we are today, you will be lifted to the heavens? Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to the Hades, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, tell you that it's more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So what's going on here? You know, Jesus is, is moving in such power and might and such authority. Uh, you would imagine that people would be responding and, and, uh, and, and Jesus would be, would be really pleased with the outcome. But he's not. He's, he's denouncing them. He's saying, no, you will not be lifted up. You will go down. It would seem that people in this area were more than willing to receive healing, more than willing to have their evil spirits delivered and, uh, and, and got rid of, uh, but they weren't putting their faith in Jesus. They weren't actually turning to Jesus and repenting of their sins and giving their lives to him. They just were blessed, you know, uh, they were blessed, but then they moved on with their lives. And uh, so... You know, this really gets to the core of what Jesus was looking for through these, uh, these healings and deliverances. He wasn't just looking 
for healing of a body and delivering of a, a soul, he was actually looking for a change of heart. I mean, it's wonderful to see healings and deliverances, isn't, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. But what Jesus was really looking for was a change in people's hearts as a result of that, of that work that he was doing. And this principle is reflected in the story of the ten lepers, uh, where it actually mentions uh, about ten who were healed of leprosy. And uh, if you remember, only one of them actually comes back to Jesus. And it says in that passage, uh, were not all ten cleansed in verse 17? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go forth. Your faith has made you well. And I believe in saying that, Jesus was saying, actually you have been made whole in me because you've trusted in me you've come back and you've believed in me you haven't just received the healing and gone on your way you've actually taken on board that i am the son of god and that i uh, you know you, you love me and care about me and want to do my purposes for your life and that's what jesus was looking for he was looking after that healing for all of those 10 lepers to give their lives to jesus but only one actually did that and came back this was highlighted to me uh, very clearly in, a, in a, an incident in my life uh, when I was living in Doha, before I actually met Lena. And um, I, I was on a building site, I was working on a construction site in, in Doha, Qatar. And uh, there was, I got to know quite a few of the guys on the site, quite a few of the supervisors. I was actually working for a consultant overseeing the construction. And there was uh, these supervisors, these foremen working for the con contractor. And there was one particular guy on the site who I got to know really well, had, a, had good times of chatting with him. And, it, and I found out from him that his wife was really quite sick. Um, she was uh, bleeding quite heavily, a bit like the woman in the, in the, the Bible where she, where she touches the hem of the garment and is healed. Um, she was quite in, a, in a, quite a bad way. They couldn't have children. Um, so he was quite upset really by all this and he sort of shared that with me. And I said, oh, well, well, why don't I just come and pray for her? You know, like, I'll come and pray for her and, uh, and we'll pray that she'll be healed. So he said, oh, okay, okay. Um, you can come. And we, we, we set a date two days in advance. So he said, right, I'll come on that evening. Um, so I put it in the diary and he said, fine, that's great. So for the next two days, I prayed, I fasted, I prepared. The, these guys were Muslims, as you'd know, in, in Qatar, the, the virtually all Muslims there. Um, so they're from the Muslim faith. So I really pray that God would intervene and God would do a powerful work in this couple's lives. So I went that evening that we arranged and um, they welcomed me in. We had a cup of tea and we sort of sat down, had a bit of a chat. And they said, oh, let's, let's pray for your wife. Let's pray for her. I can't remember her name now, but it's a long time ago. So I laid my hand on her head. I prayed for her. I said, in Jesus' name, you know, be healed. Uh, pray, pray for total and complete healing uh, and for this bleeding to stop and that she'll be fully healed and recover. So I, I, I prayed. Uh, there wasn't, she didn't say anything. She didn't sort of show any effect or anything uh, at the time. And I, I, said, I said my goodbyes and I went. And then the following day, the guy, the guy came up to me and quite excited and said, my, my wife, she's stopped bleeding. She's completely, she seems to be fine. Uh, but he was a bit puzzled because he, she kept saying, um, it's Jesus who's healed me. Jesus has done the work. Jesus has done it. It's, it's Jesus. And, and he would be saying to her, 
uh, no, it's not Jesus, it's Allah, Allah's, Allah's healed you. Uh, but she's saying, no, 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 it's Jesus. And he was, he was a bit sort of taken aback by this reaction from his wife. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to follow her up, and he was quite cagey about the whole thing because he was a bit, you know, sort of because of his Muslim faith, didn't want to invite me back in again. Um, but I, I believe that God really touched her and really met with her. And I'll probably only find out in heaven what actually happened because I was praying that that would break through into that family, break through into their community as a result of that healing. And uh, so one day, hopefully, we'll all find out what happened there after that event. But I think that the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that she really did, it wasn't just a healing, it was actually she put her faith in Jesus. She could see that Jesus had done a powerful work in her life. And from what I was hearing uh, from the guy, um, he'd, uh, you know, she'd actually been, she actually was giving her life to Jesus, really, through, through that healing. She was so overwhelmed by it. Okay, so in summary, uh, so in summary, we, we've, uh, we've seen, first of all, Jesus healing his, uh, Simon's mother-in-law, and uh, that we should expect totally, total healing when we pray for the sick. We've seen Jesus uh, healed and delivered many who came to him and uh, casting out demons and that we should follow in his footsteps in that way. We've also seen about Capernaum and about the unrepentance that they had towards Jesus and his ministry. Uh, and Jesus is not just looking for whole bodies but changed hearts towards him. And we need to see repentance when we pray uh, for people. Um, so... We're going to stop there, but I would really uh, say that if anyone here is sick, I, I think you know, we can pray again for foo, but if anyone here is sick, then please come forward, speak to me afterwards, and we'll, we'll pray for you, uh, and that you can be healed, and we'll pray that God will deliver you as well. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, so we, we can pray for you as a team. So let's, I just want to pray as, as I finish. Father, I thank you for... This morning, thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us. Thank you for pouring out your grace upon us today, Lord God. And, and pray to God that you would use these words to really enlighten our hearts, really strengthen our hearts in you, Father. Come and use these words, especially as we go out on the streets, Lord, for, for us to really take what you have taught us today and, and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.